Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So we have the pleasure of interviewing Mel Dupois on our show today. She is an amazing investor and she's based in Canada. Her and her husband uh, have been able to build up a portfolio over 150 rental units. And the really fascinating part about that is that they're owned by her and her husband, right? So they're not, they don't have tons of partners. It's just her and her husband. I love her story. And she gets into how she was able to do that and scale. And one of her, one of her strategies was creative financing. Surprise, surprise. And she actually gives some very specific and tactical ways you can structure owner financing, which I think doesn't get talked enough about, but literally, how do you do it? How do you actually structure it with a seller? And we go through that on today's episode, which I think you'll really enjoy. Exactly. And there's also a speed, right? Speed, the, how long she was able to acquire those properties and refinance and pay the, the, the seller back. And she really breaks it down how she was able to get to the point where she had to hire VAs in order to grow her business, which sometimes we take too long to make that decision. But she shared, well, what was her experience or what worked for her? And she, it's clear something that you can really apply on your business today. So enjoy this episode. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes, but how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. 
Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investor Show. We're excited to have you back with us for another week uh, where we interview some amazing rock star women in the investing world. And we have an amazing guest on today, Mel Dupuy. Um, uh, just thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you so much for um, being a co-author in our upcoming book, The Only Woman in the Room. So thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you so much. Thrilled to be, uh, to be here with you. Yeah, we're really excited to jump into Mel's story. She's got such an amazing story. Um, and uh, we'll get to her in a moment. Uh, we just want to get connected to all of you. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for, for listening, watching, however you're consuming this. We know you have a lot of choices to be making, so we just appreciate you so much. And uh, we haven't asked in a while, Andressa, but if, if you'd be so kind, our amazing, amazing investor listeners out there, go over to iTunes, give us a little review, rating, all the good stuff, subscribe, just because it helps uh, get the message out to more women, yeah. which we're on a mission to do. Exactly. And that's the purpose. You know, I, when I get asked those questions, like, why should I be sharing, right? For, is it for you guys or for what? Our mission is to really empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. Uh, a lot of women don't even know that we exist. A lot of women out there have no idea that they have a free support system where they can tap in to other, you know, to get the support that they need. So if you can, we, and we cannot just be our, our own, like spreading the word, right? We need our community to be sharing. So just think about your, your internal circle, right? Your, your family and friends, who do you think, ask that question, who do you think will benefit from listening to this episode of being part of the community and just share just it's like going to a great restaurant right if you like the food you share <laughs> so it's <just> the same <laughs> we're not serving any food though this week unfortunately but um <laughs> before we get into mel's story we always like to get connected to our our audience and the amazing women listening um and and on this journey with us so um what i have for you today is we just started virtual learning um virtual classroom virtual oh learning has yes, yesterday. And it was, I, you know, I think I want to share this just because there's just so many, so there's so much uncertainty. There's so much like newness, right? So the Zoom link didn't, didn't work, right? The one they sent us. Um, my daughter's stealing all my son's supplies. My daughter's not in school yet. The both of them are there with me. My son's crying because he's like, I'm missing first grade. Um, I'm crying now because both of them, one's crying because oh she doesn't have markers. The other one's crying because he can't join his first grade. And I'm crying because I'm like, I'm up to my level of like, I can't solve this right now, you know? So I calmed down and we finally got on and it started to work, but I just got present to how much demands are on, you know, p parents right now, you know, women, men, whoever, whomever those caretakers are, and it's intense. Um, don't forget to ask for help, you know, and, and I think we all need to be, I need to be more mindful on a daily basis where I need help. So I just, um, I know there's a lot of pressure out there right now in the world. So I just want to put a, give a big shout out to the, to the women listening, just because I feel your pain. I feel it because I'm in it with you and we're all in it with you. So, um, but just don't forget to ask for help and don't feel like you have to do it all yourself because it's just quite honestly impossible. So I'm constantly every day thinking, how do I get help here or there and every area of my life? So I just wanted to share that as a, as a reminder. Yeah, today was the first day that I, we were trying, his, my son is going to kindergarten and, and they're trying in person, right? We'll see how long the last year on his school but another thing is just uh, 
Liz, I am here if you need help or Thank you. accountability. I'm gonna ask and check check on you. I know I know when when you are like your pure joy when you're out of that is because there's some pressure. So um, also for the ladies that are listening, have accountability buddies that can just you know be there for you and and brainstorm. Or sometimes it's just like a listening person that can yeah. just allow you to vent and, and, and curse, bitch out, do whatever you need to do in order to get that out of your system and just move forward with, with power, confidence, and really like hope for a new future. Yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> Keep po positive in the future. So without further ado, Mel, thanks again for being on our show. Uh, love your story. Love, love all the things you, you stand for, you and your husband. You've been in this business a long time. So for the women listening, please share with them. They may not know your story. You know, what, what propelled you originally to get involved in investing? Yes, well, I started slowly. I had a couple of properties and then, um, then I was uh, in a previous marriage. It ended up, it ended, um, and uh, I was living in a two-bedroom apartment with my two daughters. And I remember just thinking, like, oh, I don't want to stay in this mess, you know, for, forever. And it was okay, but I knew I didn't want to stay there forever. And I thought to myself, you know, how do I? How am I going to get out of it? And of course, I already realized what having a few properties you know, did to me and how it already helped me make this sustainable. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to get through it. I'm not sure how, but I'm going to get, get through it. So then I set myself a goal of buying 10 properties before I turned 40, but I had no money and I had no idea how I was going to get there. Um, but I just set that goal for myself, despite the fact that I didn't know how I was going to get there. And then fast forward a bit, I ended up meeting uh, Dave, my husband, and he also, like, he loved real estate. He did not own any except his, his house, um, a small, tiny little house, and, but he had the passion for it. And now he also had told me, I'm going to be a millionaire, and he, you know, I'm going to be a millionaire, I'm going to do so through real estate. So we both had the passion for real estate, but we both didn't know how we're going to get there. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember him canceling one of my date, our dates. He canceled and I'm like, why are you canceling our date? And he's like, I got my hydro bill and I can't pay it. <laughs> like we're literally paycheck to paycheck. And yes, you know, Mr. Big guy that's going to become a millionaire can't pay his hydro bill. Um, so then we decided to, you know, to do it together and try to figure it out together. And we slowly started buying properties, you know, saving up and that 20% down and buying a property and then waiting and refinancing one that I already had. But after doing that a couple of times, then we, you know, we got stuck and we couldn't continue to buy any more properties because, of course, coming up with that 20% down, uh, it was next to impossible. So then we did what we thought would be logical and it's work, work, work. So I was working at our local college. I started teaching part time on top of that with the two girls at home, of course, on top of that. He was a full time firefighter. Um, so he started taking every overtime shift that he could to try to accumulate that 20% down. But again, it was just, you know, it was this, it, it was this vicious wheel, this vicious cycle where it would take years to, to come up with that 20% down. And I thought, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. And then we found out about, you know, creative financing. And I was very, very skeptical about it all at first. And we spent a lot of time doing our research and finding out about it. And as soon as I understood the concept and felt confident, that's when, you know, we exploded our growth and we bought uh, 12 properties in 12 months that year. Wow. There, there are so many that we can really go and dissect, right? 
So bringing it to 2020 and everything that's going on with the pandemic, I think that a lot of people are facing very similar situations. Um, they either have savings or they're not happy with, with the work that they're doing. They have the passion for real estate, um, but they also have the same thought. Well, I need to put 20% down. That's, that's like what I've learned in school. They didn't teach you all the other tricks or anything else. So, so for you guys, how did the, the creative finance, if you can break down for, for those folks that are listening to us right now, can you give a very specific example of thinking outside the box so they can start uh, thinking about that possibility right now? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, for me, it was important to t kind of decide which lane I wanted to be in. And I knew I heard about owner financing or seller financing, vendor take back, all the same thing. I, I knew about joint venture partners. And I wanted for myself, I really wanted to make sure to keep all the properties that I had because my long term goal was to be able to pass that on to my children. So I knew that I wanted to be in the lane of solely owning my properties uh, through creative financing. And then we, I started off with the owner financing where, you know, the seller essentially holds part of the mortgage, a 20 or 25% down, sometimes even more. And, um, and as soon as I, I implemented that concept, then of course I did, I, I figured out different ways as well, whether it's with 401ks, if you're from the States or, or RSPs here in Canada. That's great. The, um, and I think that's a crossroads for a lot of people to say, you know, do I want to own less of something and work with partners or do I want to figure out how do I own it, you know, myself or, or in our, you know, our own company um, and get creative, whether it's creative financing or get, you know, get creative in other ways. So there's no right or wrong. It's just, you know, figuring out what lane, like you said, and then going after it. So 12 properties in 12 months, that's pretty... Um, pretty remarkable. So walk us through what that looked like. You know, how did the first one happen? How did you get to this? Like, how did that kind of, did it all happen at once in terms of buying a 12 unit? Like, how did that actually dissect in terms of the time frame? Yeah. So it was a total of 56 units that year. Um, and it happened. So we had a, we had a few, yeah, I believe we had two or three under contract for, you know, it's close in January, February. And then once I saw how you know, great this was, then it's like, all right, let's, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Um, and our time, instead of spending it working, this extra job became working on my business instead. What kept me driven was being able to attach a goal behind it. So being able to, you know, to, to tell myself, okay, if I want, if I buy another couple of properties, wait a second, that's starting to replace my, my income. And it just kept me driven and driven. And, and then we're able to buy the 12. Were all the 12 in with owner financing? Not all of them. The majority were. We did a couple of different ones. So we, did, we had some promissory notes and uh, we used um, some, some attached to the mortgage, like RSPs type of thing. Okay. Or one k for you guys. Okay, gotcha. The, um, the terms, like walk us through the terms because I feel like, you know, it is such a great, whether you use private money is one way or you actually work with, you know, the actual owner and figure out how they can hold paper and, and be part of it still. I think it's such a fantastic way to get into owning property. And then not a lot of women, not a lot of people use that strategy. So walk us through the terms. Like what were the terms that you, the first time you did owner financing, how did you set it up? Uh, you know, what were the terms with the owner? You know, what, what did you, how did you kind of get that what did that look like? How much money did you, you know, how much interest did you pay them? How long? I was just curious to dissect that because I think that would be helpful for women. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'll give an example of, um, this one was a, my first bigger one uh, back then, and it was a 17 plex, which back then was scary because I only had 12, or I only had duplex and triplexes. So this one was a little bit more. It was, um, I purchased it for 1.5 million, and, but it was highly underperforming. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I mean underperforming, uh, it, it didn't need renovations. It was already beautiful countertops, you know, mm. nice flooring. It didn't need any work in it. It was just highly underperforming property. Where, and what I mean by that is the rents were extremely below market value. Now, the owner had done a great job with the property, but he didn't want any turnover. So it kept the rents really, really low um, in order to keep tenants longer. And that's perfect. That was his strategy and it absolutely worked for him. However, when I saw the the building and I crunched my numbers, I just saw this huge potential because I knew that I didn't have to put too much money into it, which was great. Um, And I could have that forced depreciation that I love. So that way I know that I can pay back the lender, which of course, if you're going to do creative financing, that's the most important thing. You have to know how to exit before you enter the deal. How are you going to pay them back? So you got to make sure to keep that in mind. So um, now this property though was not cash flowing that much, not at all. It was actually cash flowing only $500 a month to start off with. Um, Total or per door? Total. Total. For a 17. It was only cash flowing. Yes. So it was not cash flowing a lot. Um, But because I already had a couple extra properties, the cash flow for my other properties made it sustainable. And I saw the huge potential in this one. So I still decided to go ahead with it. And it wasn't very long. Tenants, you know, as they do, end up changing over. And even now, there's maybe only about half the tenants that moved out because some of them, you know, they do want to stay a bit longer. Um, I was able, now my monthly income is, is about 3500 a month. Um, and that was in a couple of years of spam. And then within, now this was a longer, we, we had made an arrangement with the seller. We were going to, uh, to do a five-year term with him. Um, and, but we had made an arrangement that if ever I want to pay him back early, I'd be able to. And I was able to, within a, within a year and a half of owning it, I got it reappraised um, and got it refinanced. It was reappraised at one point, just under two mil. So 1.97, I believe. Um, so it's a huge appreciation within the, you know, just about 18 months. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was able to refinance, pay back the lender, and I'm still left with some money, um, you know, at the end of the day. So it was an amazing deal because although I didn't cash flow that much from the beginning, I saw the potential. It was still sustainable for me at that time to have a bit of cash flow because I had a couple properties already and it just brought me to that next level. Um, and now the nice thing is I paid back this lender early, uh, significantly early. Now the trust is there. He knows, likes, and trusts me. And I'm actually going to be buying another one of his huge properties. We're going to be moving our, our office in there. Um, and again, he's going to own, he's going to hold owner financing because he saw that I never missed a payment. I paid it on my time and I paid him back like three years early. What were some like, so that is awesome. The, so the $500, that was the original cash flow you buy it on day one. Was there a ramp up with the owner as well saying, okay, as I makes more, if I, if I'm going to make X more dollars, then I increase my payment to you. Or what, what was your, what was the original amount that you had kind of agreed to just out of curiosity? It was, it was so, so yes, yeah, so a great question. So in order to make this sustainable, I made arrangements for him. So, I, and again, having those conversations, those very transparent conversations, look, you're, I, you, I love your building. However, it's not cash flowing or barely cash flowing from day one. I need to make this sustainable 
in order to set me up for success, well, I can ensure to pay you back. So I showed him my cash flow matrix, I showed him my exit strategy, and I worked with him saying, you know, can we do interest only payments as opposed to having to pay down? And he agreed, and that was the agreement for the entire term. Mm. It's only payment with the possibility of me being able to pay him back early. And even before paying him back early, we had a conversation. Are you comfortable with me paying you back and whatnot? Of course, I, you always want to make it a win-win um, with any, you know, owner uh, finance deal or private money deal that you do. So that way you create that long sense, that long-term relationship with them. So, so that's essentially how, how that happened. Um, he agreed to do interest only because he saw that, yes, it doesn't make sense right now. I did not have to increase payments. Um, it was interest only increase I knew its value um, and then as soon as I knew that I had enough of a lift that I could refinance paying him out and the nice thing about it is that now I know that a I'm cash flowing a lot more um, and I still have like it's only halfway there because only about yeah. half the tenants have moved right so there's another there's going to be a lift number two and usually I when I if I do refinance I usually do it once when I know it's at full fruition but in this case, um, and given the number of doors and given the amount of lift that I have, force appreciation that I had, it just made sense for me to pay him out and then recycle and do it all over again on his next property. Yeah. So I see like a common, a common like the speed. It's a common item, like the quantity of, 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 of that you purchase and then the, the how quick you refine. So there is speed there. And my question to you is, was that planned or not? Because a lot of women that are listening to us, they plan for the worst, right? But sometimes I, I, I encourage them to think, okay, plan for the best. Meaning, if you're, oh, I'm just going to buy two properties this year. I, I'm telling you, if you're on that mindset, the momentum is going to come and that, you know, 10 plaques or five plaques, duplex, whatever that might be, or that extra single family house might show up and you're like, oh, that is such a great deal. I cannot pass that, right? So was that your plan or things just start happening and then you had to adjust your plan? And great question. Um, so what I found is that, okay, so I had that original mindset, right? I want to buy 10 properties before I'm 40. Everybody told me it was impossible. I couldn't do it and whatnot. Um, but then I'm starting to buy it and the confidence is going up. So I already had this goal, although in the back of my mind, like, oh, yeah, you know, everybody's telling me it's crazy. Why would I want to do that and everything else? But I did have that goal set and, and you know, I had it about four or five years. Um, now, you know, fast forward a little bit, looking back, you're absolutely right. I actually underestimated myself. Um, by the time I was, before I turned 40, I owned 24 units and over 100. And now I solely own over 170 units. So I definitely, even though back then, looking back, I thought my goals were, you know, so high. Now that I know what I know, I, I could have, you know, I would, I should have had it even higher. Because once you start knowing, um, what you don't know and, and being able to to place those strategies and take some action then it does get easier and now that being said like so yes I was able to refinance let's say for example pay back and do it faster than I, than I thought that being said I still ensured to set myself up by success so, so I've, I had figured that I can probably pay him back in about two two and a half years that's what I was hoping for 
Um, however, it was somewhat out of my control because it was based on tenants, right? You can't kick out tenants for no reason. It had to have a natural flow to it. Um, so that's why I went for the longer term. So I thought worse comes to worse, you know, there will be of course some changeover and I'm going to set myself up for six or five years. But if it happens in, in short amount of time, then absolutely I'm going to jump on that opportunity. So I'm curious to, you know, I, I hear that you, your confidence was one of the items that really like propelled you to, to succeed. If we break that down into very like concrete actions to the ladies that are listening to us, what did you do? Like, did you read books? Did you only eat lettuce? Did you <laughs> jump three times the, you know, the waves? Uh, what is, what was your recipe in order for you to one, gain the knowledge and therefore confidence and the, uh, not just being competent, uh, confident, but like being competent in executing it. So did you have a mentor? What were the, the tricky things that can you believe can be duplicated? Right. Um, and funny enough, although, you know, we say, oh, I had confidence because I had set this huge goal. I think deep down inside, I, part of me wasn't confident. How am I going to do it? So I, it was almost like tricking myself. I just keep telling myself I'm going to do it. Um, I, I'm a huge believer on, on vision and, and, you know, vision boards and all that, that woohoo stuff, but it works. Um, you know, so having a vision board and looking at it every day and financial freedom, you know, all these different things that I wanted to achieve, quit my job. Um, and then absolutely, then it's, I can't just talk about it. You know, I got to take action. So we certainly changed a lot of things in our life. We, you know, in the short term, we sacrifice short term um, to live the life we want to live in the long term. So what does that look like? Well, we didn't, we stopped watching our favorite TV shows at nights. Um, we, you know, and we, instead we'd talk business, we'd look at deals, we would listen to podcasts, we, we'd read books, anything like that to kind of help us educate ourselves. We invested, of course, in ourselves as well um, with mentors, you know, so we did what we needed to do in the short term to get there in the long term. We even, even we wanted the banks to say yes. And uh, I had a, I had a, at one point, a brand new vehicle. And then I realized, wait a second, we want to do this owner financing, which means, you know, your ratios are higher. It, they're, they're not as good because you're 100% finance deals. I wanted the bank to say yes to me. So it made the decision, you know, let's sell this vehicle and let's drive this off. We bought a van. It was like rusty. It was awful. This ugly, ugly van. Um, and it seemed that, uh, you know, it was almost and somewhat uncomfortable and almost embarrassing. You know, Melanie goes from having this brand new vehicle to selling it and having this rusty van. I'm sure there was talking behind my back, like what's happening with her? I guess her rental business not going well, but I did, <laughs> I did it despite all of that. You know, I, I bought the older clothes. Like I did, you know, all that kind of stuff in the short term. Cause I knew the banks are going to say, yes, I'm going to keep buying properties. And then my properties can buy my vehicle it can buy my, you know, whatever luxuries that I want at that time. So absolutely. Was there short-term sacrifices? Absolutely. Um, and, and of course, involving the kids with all of that as well, right? Sometimes they would come with me and they'd see. Um, at one point, we ended up selling the house we were living in and end up living in one of our, I was six months pregnant at the time with, uh, with my son and uh, end up living again in another small apartment and as as moms we always feel guilty you know the guilt is always there right Usually, that is true or at least that's me he's like um you know i felt guilty as a mom like oh my gosh especially for the girls you know my, i'm pregnant and my girls here they are in an apartment again um, but i knew it had to happen for the long term 
And now we're looking back, it's like, why did I have that guilt? Because they look back at that and, and now they're, I mean, now we have the dream, our, our dream home and they actually appreciate it because they've lived in an apartment where, you know, they, the windows were so thin and, you know, it would <laughs> it'd make noise when there's <laughs> bad wind, right? So they've lived there and now they can actually appreciate it. So although I was felt with guilt as a mom, now looking back, okay, you know what? I did what I had to do to change our lives and that was okay. Yeah, that guilt really stays with us, right? On, on every level. So I don't, I, don't, I don't know the recipe on getting rid of that, but... <laughs> You know, it's like taking action and knowing what you're doing is going to make a difference, right? In the long term, I guess that's that's one way to feel a little better about it, right? Because I know I, I carry around that guilt as well. What do you do, Andressa, to move through that mom guilt? I mean... Well, if you guys have the recipe, send it my way. <laughs> I think it's just, you know, it's just a matter of first acknowledging that that exists. And at the end of the day, my mom always tells me, like, you won't remember this. You understand that, right? Like he's too young to remember certain things and, and why he doesn't care. He could care less. He's caring about like what snack I'm going to have. <laughs> so I think that, you know, as you're saying now, like the going backwards, right? Why am I doing this? Why, why we're sacrificing this now? And another point is like, I really don't care what other people think or, or if they think X, Y, and Z. And I think that we, we, we need to be careful with this because we live in a society where your realtor shows up in a, in a BMW or whatever. And you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> what's going on here? The day that my general contractor show up in a BMW, on my rehab project, I was like, we have a problem here. <laughs> I'm expecting you to show up in a van, right? <laughs> with, with all your tools in and, and, and everything else. You know, I not want to judge people. However, to me, in order for us to achieve financial freedom, there are certain things that comes first. Do I like brand new cars? Of course, of course I do. I think that is just a matter of like, what are my priorities right now? And I'm consciously and confidently making this decision because I know the legacy that I want to live in the future. So to answer your question, Lisa, I think it's just like this self, you know, this auto conversation, um, that we have with each other and really surrounding ourselves with, with other people. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So for you, Mel, did you have a, a group of people that you rely on or who, who were you seeking advice from? Oh, you know, it, it, was, it was a shift. I found that as soon as people almost, when they started seeing the van and those kind of things, I almost felt like they were happy in a weird sense, right? That was also successful after all. Um, and then once we were able, once we had the properties, and I mean, there has been a, was there a shift in friends? 
unfortunately, yeah, they're, they're right. Have- and I think that isn't that a sad part. And it is a sad part. And and I struggled with that, of course. And 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 then I remember speaking with one of my mentors, and he said, you know, stop because it was that guilt as well, of course. And they said, you know, stop taking or uh, stop surrounding yourself right? or taking advice from people who you know you may not be there anymore, right? You never want to be, of course, the the one who's doing it all because they're going to just try to bring you down. And that's how I felt. I felt defeated. Like, oh, I can't talk to anybody about this. I can't ever talk about it around my coworkers. Um, you know, I can't say, hey, I, oh, yeah. So I, I went and looked at a property, this building, or this weekend. They looked at me like I have four hands, right? Like, it was just one of those, don't talk about it. Um, so then I started surrounding myself with people that want to do this, right? Other real estate investors who are either doing it, who are either, you know, highly successful or getting started or whatnot, but have the same kind of goals and mindset uh, than, I, than I do. And, and that certainly has helped, was to help having a, a bit of a shift, even though I was realistically also shifting my life as well. But there was an adjustment. Um, I mean, having, having Dave as, as a spouse, of course, that was very helpful to be able to He's tougher than I am, <laughs> right? Not as emotional as I am. So he'd kind of, you know, say like, hey, you know what? Let's, we're going to get through this together. And you got you to remember your why, which was my three kids, right? So you're doing it for the three kids. You're not doing it to please a neighbor who may not be talking to you as much anymore. Yeah. And, you know, to that point, you know, we get a lot of questions through our investor uh, Facebook community, our just women we surround ourselves up, the meetup leaders, the meetup groups. A big question continues to always be, you know, how do I successfully invest and work with my spouse? And uh, I know my husband and I have obviously wrestled with this because we started together 15 years ago. And so for you and your husband, Dave, right, you started together and you've built this uh, business together. And, And quite honestly, you're the sole owners of this business, right? You don't have 85 million partners either. It's, it's your business, all in the context of growing your, your wealth. And so what have been some of your kind of, you know, secret sauce there? Because I think a lot of women, whether they're struggling with it or they're not struggling with it, it's, all, it's always something we're trying to get better at, especially if you're working with your spouse. I don't think anyone's like, yep, we're good. We're perfect. And we skip down the street together. Like that's just not the reality. So but people work well together, but there's always an area of improvement too. So I'm curious, what have been some of the things that you and your husband have employed that have been hugely important to you guys working together and, and successfully working together? Yeah, and great question. And, and absolutely, is it always easy? No. Um, is it also easy working with anybody else that you work with at your job? Yeah, sure. No, right? There's personality conflicts, there's different opinions. What what we found that Dave and I, what worked really well for us is staying in our own lane. So at first we used to do everything together, of course. We'd look at every single property together. We'd crunch the numbers together, double checking everything together. But as we grew our confidence, and then we also found out what we're both really good at doing and not so good at doing, and what we enjoy and not what we don't enjoy as well. Um, so, and that's how we kind of ended up staying in our own lane. So, you know, he'll have his responsibilities, I don't micromanage him because if I do, he'll quickly remind me that I micromanage him and vice versa. Hey, this is my specialty. This is what I do. I got really good at doing this. Let me, you know, trust that I'm there and having that trust. So that, so you do have that sense of independence. Wait a second. You know, this is my side of business. I'm going to run it that way. And if there's a huge, huge overall business decision, of course, we're going to talk about it. But overall, he stays in his lane. I stay in my lane. We work collaboratively together. 
but overall really realizing that and then if ever we do like some yeah do we argue of course like any other couples there are times that we kind of argue about it yes however what we try to do is we try to get over it really really quickly you know so we'll you know we'll go get frustrated with each other or, or or whatnot and take a little break and you know he'll do his thing i'll do my thing and then it's like all right let's remember our why, our why, going back to our why will get you through anything very quickly, right? Why are we doing this? Does it really matter? You know, is it really worth arguing about? No. All right, let's let's keep moving together. So, kind of just realizing is this is this going to be a game changer in our business? If if you know Dave does it this way, although I think it should be done this way, no, long term, no. If it is okay, absolutely, let's further discuss. But otherwise, Mel, let it go, and vice versa as well. I, I agree with you. I think that as you grow your business, right, what was a big deal at the beginning, if the countertop has some grains or whatever, <laughs> that was the issue, the longer is the issue because you were thinking bigger and bigger. And I think that there is no other way that you can grow your business if you don't start stepping out and, and, and picking and choose, right? It's like a, my five-year-old. I pick and choose my battles and, 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 and then I'm, I, I move forward for you guys. I'm sure you guys have other, other people that you rely on. Talk to me about your team members. Who did you hire first? If you hire first for your company or if you hire VAs, how did you structure your, your support team? So of course we had grown very quickly, six units. So then, you know, what do we do next? And we had a hard time delegating um, at first because I didn't want to, I wanted to make sure that financially it made sense to do so. So our, the first thought was let's hire a virtual assistant. So that was the first position and they could take over the phone calls because that was starting to be a lot of phone calls from tenants. And then once we saw that, then it kind of, once we saw the value of, wait a second, because we were bottlenecked, there's no way we could buy any more, we weren't even looking at deals. At first, because we're spending all the time, you know, in the business, basically, uh, you know, doing all the things. So once we freed up some time and OK, wait a second, well, what if I hire somebody else? So from there, the team continued to grow and grow, um, you know, from from the cleaners to dump runs to uh, now we have a director of operations. We have a uh, in-house financial controller. Um, we have a construction manager. We have a marketing director. We have, you know, so our team continues to grow. Um, this week alone, I've hired a couple extra people as well because now we have the mentoring side of things. So that side of the business is growing as well. So it's all of that that uh, kind of came all together. Once I realized the value of leveraging other people's time to free up my own time, again, it, it brought us to the next level uh, to be able to continue to buy more properties. Now, I, I completely understand the rationale of it, right? I, I, I always get challenged on to like, I know that if I hire a VA, we'll free up my time. I hear all the time. I know this or I know, no. I always say knowing doesn't change anything, right? People know to lose weight, you got to exercise and eat well. Not necessarily people that, you know, are not, in a healthy uh, lifestyle, doesn't they don't know that they know that. But tell me, what was what clicked for you for you to say, yes, even though I might be concerned about hiring people and being able to pay them, right, and and make sure that my business is growing. What was like the tipping point for you that you had to say, I don't have another choice. I gotta go this this route. 
honestly, and, and again, I, I don't recommend this. I, I waited till I was literally bottlenecked. Like I could not, uh, that's like when Bob told me 12, we were still both working full time. So working full time. On top of that, right? <laughs> we're still both working full time. So yeah, I wait, I waited way too long. Again, don't recommend this. Um, so learn from my mistakes. I was literally bottlenecked and I knew that I wanted to keep buying properties. You know, things are growing well. We had our strategies, things are great, but I can't buy more properties because I don't even have time to look at properties because I'm dealing with, you know, a, a tenant being locked out of their unit. It just, it didn't make sense. So it was just taking that, you know, big breath and leap of faith and just, boom, you know what, let's, let's set it up. Let's do it. And, uh, and once you do it <laughs> once, honestly, it, you know, you see how much more time you have and will somebody do it? And I think that was my fear. Nobody's going to care as much about it as I do, right? It's my business. I put my, you know, my years into it and my sweat into it and all that. Will anybody care as much as you? No, realistically, likely not. Will they care? Yes. You're, if you find the right people, they're going to care. They're going to care as much as they're going to do everything as good as you No. But if they're able to do it as 80% as well as you do, 80%. And, you know, you've just freed up. Let's say something, maybe they, they'll take 40 hours to do something that you did in 20 or 30 hours, but that difference in how much you can make per hour doing something else or finding the next deal is so worth it. And now, now I realize once I've done it once and I did it twice and I did it three times and now I'm worried, the more I'm able to grow um, my team, uh, the more that, you know, we, I'm able to absolutely continue to grow my portfolio because now I have time for myself and uh, it's balanced as well, right? With, with the work and, and home and kids and all that. Yeah. And it's baby steps, right? It's like, you don't have to do it overnight. It's like, absolutely. It, it's, it's overwhelming to feel that way. So it's just like, take it step by step, one hire, one piece and one, you know, I think that's, that's a smart move. And, and probably like you said, it took, took too long, but you did it. And that's, that's what matters, right? <laughs> I mean, start it off as simple, I guess I say virtual assistant, but even just, you know, I don't have to clean this unit anymore. You know, while I'm doing this, while I'm able to do something else instead, right? So just starting. So it wasn't even a full-time position, you know, even what, if I think about outsourcing, just I don't have to do the dump friends anymore. Okay, whew, good. I don't have to worry about that. Okay, now let's do a virtual. Okay, I don't have to worry about phone calls. All right, let's hire construction managers so they can oversee all the site. Okay, I don't have to, right? So you're bang on. It's taking it one one step at a time, like you said, Liz, and, and not being over, like, I need to build this huge team, take it one step at a time. You're going to, you know, you're going to make errors. You're going to learn from your mistakes and just keep moving forward. Uh, yeah. yeah. I love that. Uh, and Mel is one of our um, very, very proud to have her part of the only woman in the room, uh, the book that we've released. It's just, uh, you, you know, your, your chapter was, was wonderful. And, and hopefully you all have all, all y'all, like I feel like I'm from the South now, but I hope all you ladies know. <laughs> that your past life, you're from the I know, my, my past life, my past life. But y'all know that how wonderful Mel is and, and her chapter is just outstanding. So just so excited and appreciative that you were part of this really um, such an important project. It wasn't just a, it's not just a book, but it's, it's a really powerful project to show women of all walks of life, right? That we're not all, the only one in the room anymore and we're all doing this and we're going to do this together and, and make a big difference for the next generation. So I just want to thank you for being part of that. Uh, I'm calling it a project because I feel like it's a project. It's not just a book. I feel like it's more than a book. <laughs> Love it. It's, I was very, very honored to be asked. I, I you know, I, I know some of the women that are featured in the book and I'm so proud to be amongst one of them. And the thing is, is that, you know, we all have a story. 
we all had roadblocks. We all had, you know, some people have been divorced, some people had abuse, some people had, you know, different things in their lives that whatever it is, it's, it's, it makes it hard sometimes to, to push through and, and being able to share stories and knowing that you, you know, you as a listener are able to, hey, you know, somebody else has been there before. And that's what I realized as well. I'm not, the, you know, okay, I was a single mom, small permit. I wasn't the only one <laughs> that's ever done that, right? Um, there's nothing, you know, and I, once I realized that, like, wait a second, if other women have gone through this before and have succeeded, what's stopping me from doing it? I'm stopping myself. So as soon as I realized that, so no, super, super happy and, and proud and uh, to be part of the book. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, uh, you could learn more about, you know, Mel, all, all the wonderful ways to follow you and how can the ladies listening learn more about you and really all the really great things you're up to. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Um, so we are all over social media. So whether it's Instagram, we have a brand new YouTube channel or Facebook. Um, so it's always Investor Mel Dave. So Investor Mel Dave uh, on all the platforms. Awesome. And all this information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're gonna to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one, Mel, is what's the most transformational book have you ever read? Yes, and it has to be the traditional rich dad, poor dad. Um, and I just, you know, I, I can't let, you know what, I'll, I should take that one, but I'll, can I say two now? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> rich dad, poor dad, because that's when I realized the power of creative financing and using other people's money. Um, and the other one would be um, the secrets because that changed my mindset. So it wasn't necessarily real estate, but it certainly has helped with my growth, right? Having the vision board of quitting my job when I had no idea how I was going to get there and all these different things. So the secrets as well. Awesome. And what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life? Um, you know, <laughs> What I love doing and is involving my kids, and I don't know if this really answers, but I love with the kids every night, we, you know, for putting them to bed, we say three things that we're grateful for. And it can be anything about our lives or anything that went on that day. And just having that, that mindset and really appreciating what we have. And this started not just now when we, you know, we were able to quit our job and all that. But I mean, you know, when we didn't have it all, we were driving the, the old van and still being appreciative of what we had. And having, you know, really appreciating, yeah, okay, I might not have it all yet, but I'm working towards it. And I appreciate that I have this and I appreciate it. And the kids do it as well. So we all name three things. So I think just, again, having that sense of right mindset and truly appreciating, I might not be, you know, I might not be where I want to be yet, but I still, I'm pretty still lucky, um, has certainly helped. That's awesome. And the third and last question is, which woman, famous or not, has fired you the most? Oh, well, <laughs> again, it's probably a, a popular answer. Uh, Oprah has been such an inspiration for me um, in many, many ways. And um, it's being able to uniquely be yourself, who you are. Um, a lot of things like if you would have asked me, you know, 10 years ago to be on a podcast, there's no way. Like I was very <laughs> self-conscious about I'm French, my French, my French accent, right? It's just that kind of thing. And realizing that, you know, even though, it's, everybody's unique. Everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses and being able to really embrace that and feel uncomfortable and building yourself. Um, so she would certainly be who I would point out. That's great. Well, Mel, thank you so much for being on our show. Thanks for sharing your journey. It's been an amazing one. Excited to see all the great things that are happening for you. And just, and thanks again for being part of our, our book here and just appreciate you a lot. And thanks for your time. 
Thank you. Thank you so much to both of you. I really enjoyed my chat. And thank you as well to all the listeners. Thank you, Mel. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.